been for come on in um it is true um if you're here for the first time or maybe you've been here for ages um we're a church we're a community of people here who love the risen lord jesus this king jesus who you know lived two thousand years ago declared that he was god in the flesh was crucified on the cross risen to life and now he sits in throne with god with the father and um, we come here together as a community who love Jesus, who love God and seek to live for Him in this world. So welcome to church tonight. And I pray that as we meet together, you know, we're going to share communion a little later. We're going to sing songs that declare our love and adoration for God and for Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to hear a message as well. And I hope that the whole service, I hope that every element that you can engage with and God can speak with you and encourage you in your relationship and living it out in the world. I really pray that. I pray that by the end of tonight, you go away changed. You go away with a deeper conviction or a deeper faith or closer to putting your faith in Jesus. Welcome to the church tonight. My name's Phil. I'm the, the youth uh, and young adult pastor here. And just, yeah, it'd be great to meet with you at the end of the service, if you're new especially. And if you're regular, it's, it's always good seeing you guys. So good looking. Look out there. Yeah, really good looking. Really good looking. Like really good looking, yeah. Anyway, um, just to let you know, I have a couple of things going on in your bulletin. Um, you probably get most of the information. Just want to draw your attention to a couple of things. On the, the reverse side, um, the top of the page, Youth United, a bit of a plug. Um, this week is small groups, and it's just like for you to really be encouraged in your faith. And I, I tell you, if you know of guys uh, who aren't coming regularly to small groups at the moment at Youth, invite them along. It's a place where we really want to encourage you to grow in your faith. Also, you'll also see a plug there for the Loggies, which is the following week on November 21st. And that is basically like, you know, Wodonga Baps has got talent kind of thing. So this is where you, as a high schooler, you'd come and you'd bring an act and you'd perform your little heart out and you'd dance away or sing away or play uh, piano accordion or whatever it is your talent is. And it's just a great night of hanging out. You join each other's company and their talents and bring your mates along to that. It's going to be a fantastic night for that. Um, after church tonight, it's a spontaneous meeting for um, young adults, especially if you see yourself as in the core community. We're just going to meet about 20 minutes after the service in the side room down the back there and just to kind of share a few little things. It won't go for very long, but 20 minutes after the service, we'll all meet in there. I'll um, let you know precisely that time. Um, also in the front of your bulletin, notice uh, there's an advertisement there for More Than Music wor- Workshop with Grant Norsworthy. He's a talented guy, um, was the bass guitarist um, with Paul Coleman Trio, but in himself a, an awesome musician and a passion for worship of our great God through song. Um, and so if you're interested in music or you're a musician in this church, then get along to that. You can see all the details on that. And it's on Saturday morning on the 22nd from 10 a.m. to 2.30 and the rest of the details are there. But that's going to be really, really fantastic. And then on the same night, we also have this other thing going on. So... Check out the screen thing. Guys, guys, come see how good my hair looks. Sometimes I shuffle them and they're already... Father God, we do um, enthrone you here tonight as, as king... And um, we resubmit our lives to you, God, and say that you are great and mighty. Father, we want to be a people that just uh, declares your praises uh, through our words and through our whole lives, God. That the good news, this life, this relationship with you, God, 
this peace and joy that can be had now is available, Lord. And just help us to be people who, who take that out of these, this building here tonight. Father God, we love you so much. Tonight, God, we just want to pray for those guys who are, you know, are in exam mode or in uh, essay writing mode at that busy end of the year. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would grant them peace amidst the, uh, the stress and you would help them to study diligently until, until they finish, God. Lord, just um, yeah, grant them your peace, Lord, amidst this time, we pray. And Father, for those of us who come tonight with um, heavy hearts and other things going on, God, we just pray that tonight you would minister your peace to us and that your spirit might um, lead us more and more in your way. Father God, we love you. Please um, meet us tonight. Please lead us in your way. Please change us for your glory, we pray. We ask all these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. For probably about 18 years. So I just want you to stand up for a moment, stretch your legs. Come on, be bold, work with me here. And um, what, what they always did, and there were some quirky elements that I don't like, but there's this one great part of the, the service. And I want to kind of want us to do it now and try and get into it. Um, so, at a certain time of the service at communion, the minister would say, May the peace of the Lord be with you all. Yeah, try it. And all the aliens go, in the, and also with you. And the peace of the Lord be with you. And everyone says, and also with you. And, and, the, and then what happens is everyone turns to somebody next to them, and they basically say, peace be with you. And then the other person says, and also with you. And, and the idea is like uh, relationship with God, peace with God. And it's almost like a prayer of like the peace of Relation, relate, peace with God be with you. It's like, and also with you. So why don't we now, we're about to have a message, and why don't you turn to someone next to you and almost like pray that and say, peace be with you. And then someone said that to you, and also with you, and say it as we would pray. Go on, have a crack at it. <laughs> peace with you, Tim. And sometimes they move around the whole service. They move around the whole congregation. And it becomes this great prayer to all kinds of people. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Andy. Grab a seat. It's, it is amazing. Peace with God through Jesus Christ. That is amazing. Sorry, sorry to freak you guys out, hopefully, too much. Well, I've titled this um, topic to the, another a sermon in, in our series, which is on the church shaping culture, not being shaped. So in it, we look at a character trait of the world and we kind of critique it and see if it is affecting us as a church and what our alternative might be. And I've called this one, uh, Would You Like Fries With That? So hopefully we'll get the drift as we go through. Um, Finding personal happiness seems to be a quest that many people are actually on. Hey, how about before we keep going, I pray? That would be nice too, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, Father God, we ask for your presence here tonight even more and more just to lead us and guide us, God. And as we look to your word for wisdom, Father, lead us, we pray, that we might know you more fully and, and uh, live more and more for you. God, I pray that uh, for those of us with hard hearts and hard minds, that you would just soften them 
that you'd like peel our hearts open like a can open, opens a can up and makes us exposed and vulnerable. And Lord, you'd soften our mind, maybe like a sponge, that we might absorb your truth here tonight. Father God, lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So the can opener, it's a bit harsh, isn't it? Probably don't really want the can opener. Anyway, this is quest for personal happiness. And I think it, this quest, it takes us to many and varied places to find it. Places that promise greater happiness. And perhaps your quest has taken you to many places, and I'll read out a few, and maybe you've kind of cottoned on as these are places you can go for personal happiness. Perhaps if you're a good Christian, you would say a right relationship with God uh, and living each day in the knowledge and faith that God loves you deeply. Maybe that's where you look to find personal happiness. Perhaps it's uh, with relationships with other people. So you've got a great friend or you've got um, you know, a husband or a wife or you're, you're looking, the quest is for personal happiness is with a brother or sister or a mom or dad or, or all those things. Some people look for happiness in a chosen career and doing really, really well at it. Some people look to the place of alcohol. Some people seek happiness in the place of learning and stretching um, your mental faculties. Some people um, look for personal happiness through the, the place of playing sport or um, enjoying the adventures that the great outdoors offers. Various levels of personal happiness can be gained from all those things and many, many more. Um, but there's also, in some of these areas, taken too, too much dependence, that can cause great pain. In our society, there is advocated a way of finding personal happiness that I haven't mentioned out of those, and it's marketed from all over society, from all levels of society, from all kind of different media. And chances are that each and every one of us here tonight, we have some level of belief that this is truly a way we can find personal happiness. Now, I want to show you an advertisement on, uh, on the screen here. And I wonder if you can tell me what this place of finding personal happiness is. Money can buy happiness. Just look at our Sydney new Holden Marina. It's cheeky and cheerful. It has a big hearted engine for more smiles every mile. The Marina has better safety than new side airbags are standard. And it all starts from a very cheery 12990 plus on road costs. Happiness is infectious. So we put a smile on the Marina's face to put a smile on yours. You hold a burina. We better. It's kind of uh, cheeky, isn't it? That little ad. Cheeky little burina. In our society, a very real place where told we can find personal happiness is through what we can buy. This ad doesn't beat around the bush, does it? It sort of goes like, you can buy happiness. Look at this zippy little burrito. It's like, that's ridiculous. Anyway, I just feel happy watching that ad. You know what I mean? They're very good at what they do, marketers. And it doesn't have to be a Holden burrito. Every company out there has a product and it's seeking to market to us. 
uh, you know, and the sales pitch is pretty much the same, whatever, you know, maybe you kind of skim off all the stuff on the top, and it's basically this product will make you happier. Now, this notion that we can find happiness through what we consume is called consumerism. Wikipedia defines consumerism as the equation of personal happiness with the purchase of material possessions and consumption. If you're writing, <laughs> Wikipedia, the, the equation of personal happiness with the purchase of material possessions and consumption. Consumerism is different to being a consumer. Every one of us in this room is, is a consumer by the fact that we have to consume things. We eat things, we use things like water, power, gas, whatever. We all, by nature of living in Australia, are consumers. We must consume or we die. But there are two types of consumers. One, a consumer who buys things but doesn't equate them getting personal happiness from this stuff. And the second one is a consumer who buys stuff and does equate their personal happiness through the product or whatever they buy. Now, for the person caught up in consumerism, what happens is that they begin to buy things for themselves with the belief that by doing it, they will receive greater happiness. So they want to buy, so they just get happier because that's what the products say. Now, this can be uh, subconscious or it could be a conscious thing. But my guess is that for most of us in our society, it becomes like second nature. We don't think too much about it anymore. We just buy because that's what we believe we're supposed to do, and we somehow, somewhere believe that this will bring us joy. It's interesting to think that our whole economy is actually based on this. I'm fascinated by this. This is our society we live in and breathe in. And if we as a society get a little bit spooked and a bit scared about our money and we stop spending, uh, consuming stuff that we don't need, our lack of consumption can actually cause a global financial crisis. Is there anything wrong with consumerism? Well, I suppose it depends on who you ask or what you compare it with. I mean, if you look around society, um, if you watch the TV, movies, if you look at ads on Facebook or MySpace or Yahoo or you read a newspaper, let me tell you, there is no worries. There's nothing wrong with consumerism if you're looking for a comparison from any of these things because on the whole, they tell you the same things. If you look really closely, you might find another message but it's pretty hard to find. Like if you look really closely, you might see a World Vision ad. You might see an Oxfam or a Salvation Army ad asking for our money, trying to prize our hearts away from consuming for ourselves and instead spending on people whose life depends on it. But on the whole, our society, it, it's sort of dominated by this consumerist mindset. The main message we'll be receiving from our society at large is that consuming on things that you don't really need to live to find your happiness, it's okay. Let me tell you all, it's okay to be a consumer, consumerist in nature, finding happiness from this stuff. But if we ask someone else, if we compare society's opinion with another society, 
with another kingdom, with the church of Jesus Christ, we will get a very different response. Let's digress for a moment from consumerism and have a brief look at God's church. This group of people that every person who puts their faith in Jesus, every Christian person becomes a part of. Two things I want to let you know about the church. The church is a repentant and a forgiven group of people. And therefore we have restored relationship with God. We are repentant and a forgiven group of people. Um, in Acts 2, verse 38, now let me just preempt this. The rest of the message is scripture is kind of taken from around the place. So if you're fast and pacey with your Bibles, then join me. Apart from that, just um, listen in. So these are words from Acts 2, 38. And this is Peter speaking to a crowd of people regarding how to get into the kingdom, how to be a part of the church. And he replies, he says, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. The church is a repentant and forgiven group of people. Forgiven from what is a good question. Forgiven for all the things we've placed above or exalted above God. Whether it be placing things above God through our level of love for them or our level of thinking about them. You know, we just think about that stuff more than God. Or our level of focus on them. If we focus on them more than God and his ways. Or our level and degree, we have pursued anything to a greater extent than God. This can include ourselves, it can include other people, it can include our career, sport, education, etc., etc., etc. You know, by placing our faith in Jesus and repenting of all we have placed above God, we are in effect as Christians saying, you first, God. You first, you and only you. You first, not me, not other people, not my career, not sport, not money, not a Holden Barina, no matter how cheeky or zippy it is, not anything. Firstly, the church is a repentant and forgiven group of people from placing anything in position above God. That's how you get into the church. And secondly, this repentant and forgiven status before God, this confers on us. This places on us us the responsibility of learning and living out a new way of life. We become God's missionary people, empowered and led by the Spirit of God. We now live for a new purpose and a new mission. This is the church. What's the new mission, you ask? Excellent question. Hey, and if you're not asking what the mission is and you don't know and you're a Christian, you have a dilemma. I regularly ask Christians to tell me in a nutshell what living as a follower of Jesus looks like and regularly I get the answer, I'm not sure. Don't really know. This is concerning. So you ask, what is this mission? Excellent question. Two key Bible passages off the lips of Jesus himself that define it. They are known as the Great Commandment and Great Commission. 
Stuff we might know, but perhaps don't live out. All right, the great commandment from Jesus, his lips in Matthew 22 from verses 37 to 40. Matt 22, verse 37 to 40. Jesus says this, this is a great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And then the Great Commission from Jesus in Matthew 28, verse 19. Matthew 28, verse 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. From these two utterances from the mouth of Jesus, we work out what Jesus' mission was, and therefore what our mission is. We work out what was foundational to Jesus' way of life, and therefore what must become foundational to our way of life. Three elements of our new purpose and our new mission. Knowing God, Matthew 22. Loving the church, Matthew 22. And then loving and serving the world, And helping them into the kingdom, and that's Matt 22 and Matt 28. The hope of God is that his people, the church, that repentant and forgiven people, would day by day grow in each of these areas. Please notice how outward-looking this mission is in its focus. Knowing and loving God more and more. Loving and serving the church, your neighbour, more and more. And then loving and serving the people outside of the church more and more and helping them come into the the kingdom. The mission is all about others. It's all about God. It's all about other people. Not navel-gazing, not spending all your time, all your energy, all your money on yourself for your own personal happiness. So just the church in a nutshell, so much more than just that. Two things to write on our hearts and minds, the church, repentant, forgiven people, and then this confers on us a new mission that's um, kind of stated by the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Now, if we ask someone in our society, or if we compare our consumerist tendencies with the society we live in, we will find minimal problems with that. We'll find... We won't find society arguing with us. We'll just find society telling us that it's okay to do that. But compare it with the church, it's different. We get a very different response. There are two main problems that stand out to me, and I'm sure there are more, um, but I hope that you would continue to think through what they are for you. But I just want to focus on two. And the first one is competition for first love. The first problem, competition for first love. In the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 4 and 6, this is what it reads. It's in the the Ten Commandments. And God says, You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God, 
punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. The text basically says, don't make for yourself an idol. Don't create for yourself in your life that you worship before God. Don't create for yourself in your life something that you lovingly adore above God. Verse 5, because the Lord your God is a jealous God. God demands to be our first love. There must be no equal first. There must be no competition for our first love. When we look for personal happiness through consuming things, the things we seek to buy and consume that we believe will make us happy, they become what we focus on. And in some way, these items we long to buy become what we love. And God says, you've got it all wrong. You've forgotten what needs to be your first love. Now, the truth is this. What we love the most is the thing we'll focus on. Is it not that? What we love the most will be the thing we focus on. It will be the thing that we actually make our lives fit around living for. The thing that we love the most is what we'll focus on. Now, if you have a list of things that you're looking to buy that you think will make your life more full and happy, the risk is that you might begin to live firstly for these things and stop living firstly for God. And we must, we must know, we must let it sink in that this offends God. He's a jealous God and he doesn't want to compete for products. Are there things you love consuming? Or even love thinking about consuming because when you get it, it's going to be awesome. And are you starting to live more for them than God? Mobile phones. Mine's like a year old, man. It's flipping old. I should get a new one. Won't talk about iPhones. Jonathan, start. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wasn't going to do it. Clothes, holidays, music, cars. You know, these things becoming what you're focused on, what you're trying to, because you think they're going to give you more personal happiness or be even the place for it. Cosmetics, and perfumes, tools. Some of you guys go, oh, yeah, 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 you step away from the tools. Food. MP3 players, computers, the latest stuff, etc. Are there things you love consuming or think about consuming that are becoming what you love and live for more than God? One key mark of the church that we've just looked at is that a Christian person is someone that's been forgiven by God. Forgiven for from what? For placing their... Uh, for placing anything above God. Forgiven for how we've loved things more than we've loved God. And we've been forgiven because Jesus Christ died on the cross and we put our faith in him. Do you see, that's so central to our faith. 
Loving something above God, consuming for personal happiness, placing focus, love, directing our lives, that's all what we've been forgiven from. So going back there is just not right. Consumerism competes for our first love. It, it can place God second. Consuming, therefore, must have no place, no place, no place in the heart of the Christian individual and in the Christian church. The first problem, competition for our first love. The second problem I want to look at tonight is the problem of dragging this consumer mindset into church life. Dragging the consumerist mindset all the way into how we do church together. Now, our society in time forms a person's mind. And if you like, programs us deeply to think a certain way. Our society, if we are not exceptionally careful, forms our mind so that we look at our surroundings as something to be consumed. In time, if we're not extremely discerning, we will begin to believe that I am the entitled consumer and the world around me is that the market from which I consume from. In a consumerist mindset, a person must choose the best product. If the product doesn't satisfy or if we find fault, we send it back and we demand our money back. The consumerist mindset is this, looking to consume the best product and then whinge if it doesn't meet your standard. Now, even though the the church is the sacred people of God and people enter into this church, these people through faith in Jesus Christ. People enter into it by the grace of God. Even though a person enters the church, enters the people of God free of charge, it costs them no money at all. People drag this consumerist mindset into the church life. Now, I don't know about you, but I see signs of this consumerist mindset in our church here. It gets me frustrated. The word probably is irate, borderlining on on angry when I see it. A church service or a youth group or a small group you go to or a social event or a kids ministry becoming a shopping experience. So I might ask a question. How did you find a service tonight? Uh, Worship wasn't that good. Or... The worship was awesome tonight, kind of the, the flip side if in the consumerist mind. Might ask, did the message encourage you in your faith tonight? And they might say, actually, I didn't get much out of it. You didn't get much out of it. And now I kind of feel like saying, oh, did you get your money's worth tonight? Here's a question for you. When does offering a critique of a service stop being righteous and become merely a consuming of a church experience? Sometimes preaching can be heretical. I'll give you that. Sometimes um, singing a song, you could sing heretical words in a song, like really heretical, that's against God. That can happen. Probably worth 
you know, critiquing that and moving on from the church or, or you know, giving you your feedback. But I'm sorry, if you regularly come to church here at Wodonga Baps, I would, it would be a rare occasion when any of that is heretical. And if it is, please come and speak to us. Please, because we don't want to be doing that. Now, I have to confess that in my past, I've shopped around for churches. And then in the church I've finally settled on, I would regularly be a consumer of the church experience. If I did attend one church um, you know, often enough, I would start to prefer one preacher over another preacher. And if I got the guy who I didn't really like, I'd see him get up and I'd switch off like that. And I would start to prefer one worship leader over another worship leader. And ironically, this morning, Mandy led worship, Jonathan, our senior pastor's wife, and I went, gee, I love it when Mandy leads worship. And that's kind of, there's probably all right compliment in there. But in it, it could be there, it could be this consumerist thinking. How can I say that? I'm worshiping God, I'm praising God. It's like we're here to worship God. They're here to point me to worship God. How can I? I, um, at other times, would attend a small group only if I liked the people. If I didn't like the people, whatever. Or I would go to an event that I was, uh, I would choose to go to an event if I thought I was going to get something out of it. So I'm guilty, very guilty, for having dragged this consumerist mindset into church Life. The people, the church is not to be consumed. The church is your family. Dragging the consumerist mindset in a church is a problem. It's wrong and sinful. Let me offer some suggestions on ways forward to leaving consumerism behind. Two ways that relate to these two points. Firstly, we need to daily renew our first love. This is to ensure that there's no competition at the top. There's no competition with uh, stuff we can buy and consume. Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21 and verse 24 says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, uh, destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's what I suppose I've been communicating. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We cannot serve both God and money and the things that money can buy. And in this, that word serve is key for us. The solution is in service. I think the challenge for us is that we can daily renew our love for God through service. We serve the things we focus on and we live for and the focus, serve the things we love because we end up giving so much time. So you can say, I don't, I don't serve products, but the amount of time you invest in that can be, look like you're serving because you're giving all your time over for that. So let me challenge each of us here tonight to seek to begin each day with a prayer. This is my simple application. 
Let me challenge each of us here tonight to seek to begin each day with a prayer where we recommit the new day to the service of God. A heartfelt prayer can be short, but a heartfelt one. For example, this. The morning comes, you wake up a little bit, you've come out of your coma, your sight's no longer blurry, and your speech moved from being grunts and groans to audible language, and you pray something like this. God, I love you. Thank you for the gift of this new day. Help me love you first today. And so help me serve you in everything I do. In the way I relate to people, in the way I work, in how I use my money, help me serve you and your purposes today. In Jesus' name, amen. Simple prayer, heartfelt prayer, recommitting your service to the God that saved you in Jesus. Just a simple prayer, heartfelt, every day, kind of like a reminder of what you're on about. I would also suggest that in this time, maybe you add to this, reading of the Bible and applying it to your life. Start with five minutes of this time at the start of the day and then try and build it to half an hour or more if you can. But this simple act of praying and reading the Bible and saying, God, I wake up today, this day is for you. Help me serve you. Help me love you first. That will be hugely significant. That will be so effective at enabling you to keep God first in your day. Too easy. It's like, oh, you don't know how to pray. How are we go doing it? The second way forward with the other thing we talked about is move from being a consumer taker to a servant giver. We heard um, before about the mission of the follower of Jesus. We heard about this new purpose, this new mission that the follower of Jesus is given to live out. You know, this church, once gone from being a far from God to a forgiven person with God, Holy Spirit given to us to live out the great commandment and the great commission of Matt 22 and Matt 28. And just to summarise it, to know God more and more, to love your neighbour as much as you love yourself, you know, in the church and outside of the church. And just as uh, love and service, I believe, is a solution to the first problem, I, I believe love and service is a solution to this dragging the consumer mindset into the church. And Jesus, he's our example. He's the one we follow, right? And he sets this amazing example. And in Mark 10, 45, he says it about himself. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Got to hear that. Jesus, God in the flesh, didn't come to be served like the king he was, but he came to serve and give his life a ransom for many. That is out there. If it's good enough for Jesus, people, it's good enough for us to follow and do as well. I reckon it's truly the remedy for our consumerist tendencies at church. Start serving. I know some of you are brilliant. I know some of you are great. On Friday night, for example, seeing guys who are serving in the youth area. And I just marvel at your commitment to serving. And I know it happens in so many areas around the church, from kids' ministry to connect and welcoming people at the door, taking up, um, you know, kind of sharing at the community. It's fantastic. But that really is our remedy. Choose the way of love, the way of Jesus. Instead of consuming, start kind of giving into it. 
Start serving, because it's in direct opposition to taking. Begin to love and serve. Now we could um, add to that morning prayer I gave before, and you could add to it something like this, as well as saying that, and God, you have my allegiance today, and I want to serve you first. Show me the way, Lord, that I can serve you today. Show me the way that I can love and serve your church the people in your church, and show me the way I can love and serve those outside of the church and help them understand this great God. Now, I just know, without a doubt, that if we put that out in a prayer, if we regularly are asking God in the mornings or at night or whenever you can find this time, you know, how to serve the church and the world, God will lead you, God will prompt you, God will enable you to see the opportunities that present themselves during a day. Without a doubt. Now, it might be already that many of us here tonight actually have felt and understood the promptings of God to serve already. And you might well be doing it. And maybe if you're doing it too much, my word to you is calm down. It's all right. You don't have to do more. But those of us who kind of don't like serving and don't do that that much, we might actually already know what God is calling us to do. So if you're here sitting here tonight and you don't serve, Maybe God's already speaking to you about how to serve the church and serve those outside of the church. I wonder, is it clear? Here's some ideas. Maybe God's prompting you in them. Join the music team within the church. Help lead the people in singing praise to God. Maybe it's join the connect team, the welcoming team that helps people you know, get welcomed into our church community. Maybe it's joining that. Maybe God's saying, I want you to lead a small group and encourage people in their faith. Maybe it's, I want you to join the children's ministry. You love kids. Serve and encourage children in their faith. Maybe God's saying he wants you to join the youth ministry team. Maybe he's wanting you to find someone to mentor in their faith and he's been prompting you on that. I want you to find someone so you can love them and serve them and encourage them in their faith. Maybe he's been prompting you and saying, I want you to feed the poor. I want you there outside of these four walls. I want you outside of the church, in the community. You can't see it yet, but I want you to pioneer something where you're feeding the poor, where you're clothing the naked. If they're naked, too naked, and a bit weird, I'd stay away, but you know, but you want to clothe them somehow. Maybe it's being more intentional at talking about uh, your faith to other people. Maybe it's being more intentional about encouraging your believers around you in their faith. Maybe God is saying, I want you to serve more faithfully at work. When you go to work, when you go to the school you teach at or the business you work at or the the local council or wherever you work, Coles, whatever, I want you to love those people. I want you to love your boss. I want you to serve them that they might see your example and maybe get led to the kingdom. Maybe it's God has actually been prompting you. He's saying like, I want all of your time in full-time ministry. Maybe it's, I want you to use your profession in mission overseas. I want you to go to Bible college and be a pastor. Maybe God's already been speaking to you about that. Is it already clear? Is it clear, but you're kind of saying, not yet, not yet. If God is speaking to you, step out in faith. Be courageous Start serving. If you don't know what to do, like I say, praying that prayer on a daily, regular basis, God will show you. If you want more than that, ask someone at church, 
how you can serve. Ask a friend, ask a leader, ask your pastor where you might be able to serve. Let's leave the consumer mindset out of the church. Let me conclude with a little story. It's going to be really silly then, and I stopped. Good. A couple of weeks ago, I was really asking God to like, help me be able to love and serve someone outside of the, our, our community here. And I was asking him to make me more aware of, of people around me, that I might just step out and kind of love and serve someone. And I was driving across to Aubrey and I took the causeway. So as I came off the freeway and I turned left to cross Wodonga Creek, right in front of me, in my lane, on the creek, on the bridge, not on the creek, in the, on the bridge over the creek, there was a guy with a broken down car. It's four-wheel drive and I'm going like, oh, I should help him. You know, because I really knew that God had said, here he is. And I went like, oh, no, am I going to be able to do it? Is he all right? Is he all right? Left, right lane, let's go. And then about two seconds later, massive guilt trip, pulled over the side of the road and then reversed back up. Really reluctant servant, you can tell, right? I reversed back up in a safe manner when there were no cars around, way off the road. And I, he did end up got his car and he pushed it around in like the five minutes it took me to reverse back extremely carefully, four kilometres down the road. No. Um, he pushed his car off the side of the road and down to that Black Duck Cafe there. And so I pulled around there and I said, oh, mate, can I, can I help you out? And he goes, oh, yeah, that'd be great. I've got to go to work, but, you know, I'll just leave the car here. And I said, no, jump in. So I drove him back to Wodonga, dropped him off. And I reckon in getting him to work, he would have been like maybe 10, 15 minutes late. That's how great this service was to this chap. Now, I didn't get any reward out of this. The guy didn't pay me, didn't offer me kind of some kind of something in return. But that day was a great day. It really was. It was a different kind of day. And the word I'd use to describe the day, the feeling, was happy. That was my day. Just was a happy day. It was a, a joyful day. Much happier than when I buy a nice pair of jeans. Kind of a random act of kindness, of love and service, brought joy, a deep joy to my heart. And I think this is like this, a secret message of Jesus that maybe not all of us know about. The fullest and most happy life you can get is one given over to the service of God first and the love and service of people. I want to say tonight that we are consumers, people. By the fact that we live, we must consume. But at all costs, we must not become consumerists. We must not associate with consumerism that we can buy happiness. Or consuming becomes our prime focus above God. Let's all daily recommit to our first love and let's all daily seek to be people who love and serve the church and who love and serve the people outside the church and help them into the kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you We say you are great and you are the great forgiving God who sent Jesus that we might be restored in relationship with you, God, through faith in Jesus' name.
and through repentance from a life that's been lived ignoring you. God, we praise you for that way back to you and that today, through faith in you, we are your people. We are the church and you've given us this mission, God, and it's a privilege to be a part of that. Father God, I ask for each and every one of us that you would help us recommit our first love to you and dethrone and chuck out and just completely repent of and turn away from any consumerist tendencies in us. God, forgive us, we pray. Forgive us for placing things above you, for placing things like Holden Barinas above you. And Father, help us love you and serve you every day. And help us love and serve the people that we might help them grow in the faith, that we might help them into the faith. God, empower us by your spirit. We need you. We can't do it without you. Use us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.